Hello and welcome to another podcast with me, Duncan Walker. I'm your host for How I Teach Golf. Today, it gives me great pleasure to be talking to my really, really good friend, George Porter. George, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Good to see a bit of sunshine. How about you? Yes. Yeah, very nice over here at uh, World of Golf New Malden. And uh, George, I've known you since 2000, 2001 when I was working at Wentworth. Um, but for those people that don't know you, um, let's uh, give me a bit of your backstory, how you grew up and, uh, you know, your, your, your influences and bits and pieces uh, to do with how you teach golf. Yeah, uh, well, I, my dad is uh, a golf club professional um, and I started golf very young uh, in part because of that, I guess. So um, I had a golf club in my hands when I was two, ever since I could walk and uh, play golf right through the junior days and um, always wanted to become um, a player, really, like everybody, but um, kind of quickly fell in love with more teaching the game. So um my dad was really my first influence with teaching and um, I thank him because he kept it really simple. He was a good player himself and when yeah, my brother yeah. and I had instruction from him. It was, it was really just very simple stuff from an instruction point of view, but we, we gained a lot from his insight as a player. So um, that, was, that was a really kind of interesting place to start because we didn't really get taught how to swing the club a whole lot. It was more about go hit it, go find it, go play. So I, you know, we both benefited from that. And um, I guess the biggest influence on me in terms of teaching since my dad um, through the years has been, uh, I, Faldo was my one of my heroes growing up and obviously mm -hmm. his connection with David Ledbetter. So I started to read um, a few books here or there around when I was sort of 15, 16 about the golf swing and certain levels of instruction. Um, and and that's really where it kind of started for me. But obviously, since then, things have changed quite dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> so when um, so when you started reading about David Ledbetter, did you did did you actually get to meet David or um, what did you start start doing? Did you go to seminars or was it reading books or what was what was kind of your journey that's led you to where you kind of where you are today? Um, I I. I never really met Ledbetter. I, I, I got his signature once at Wentworth when I was a junior, brave enough to go and run on the range where everybody else was, and he signed yeah. a bit of paper for me, <laughs> cool. which is cool. But um, no, in, ter in terms of where where instruction went for me was um, really getting hold of a book, um, you know, written by, by John Jacobs. And as you know, the books that John has written have, have, have really clarified a lot of what teaching should be about in my opinion so mm -hmm. um I, I was heavily influenced when i was around sort of 1920 uh doing my pga exams um by john and what he wrote in his books and really kind of took that forward into what i did with my teaching which was basically as john says you know golf is what the ball does and from a, a teaching or instruction standpoint i always tried to work off of what the golf ball was doing yeah. um so i i never really had a bias on what a swing should look like i just kind of tried to always help people you know hit the ball that they wanted to hit or hit try and hit find the shape or the trajectory that they wanted to find with the outcome mm -hmm. of their shots and then 
um, obviously I was very lucky to to meet you and and we started our friendship and you know we're, we're probably um, both guilty of being um, you know very much entrenched with with what golf is and the instruction and and, and the game itself and we we traveled a lot across the pond and I think 2004 was the light bulb moment where both of us kind of we were sat and sat in the stands and looked at each other and said, you know, this is the guy for us after listening yeah. to Jim Hardy. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So since 2004 is really uh, listening to Jim, that's really, really ramped up on, on what John obviously was talking about with the golf ball. And mm-hmm. then Jim obviously mentored by John um, appropriated the two ideas if you will of 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 what one plane and two plane was about but not not really swing shape in terms of of you know there's many different swing shapes for a one planer and many different swing shapes for a two planer but the the whole ethos is based on what the golf ball's doing yeah i mean you and i remember sitting in i think we were in row three and a lot of our good friends from a, a, across the pond uh, we're also in those stands on that on that day in uh, down at Port St Lucie, so it was uh, it was definitely a light bulb moment for for me as well. And we had because uh, we'd already been over there, hadn't we? We'd already been to a teaching and coaching summit in America and and listened to some other instructors, but not really had had that light bulb go on until that uh, until that moment that Jim walked out on the range and hit golf balls as a one planer and a two planer in front of nine hundred other teaching professionals, which I think to this day, I may be wrong, but I think to this day, he is still the only person I can remember as the actual instructor that hit golf balls um, in front of his peers. Uh, I know Stan Utley had done some chipping and putting on a, shall we call it, not the best surface the day before. Yeah. Um, But uh, I can still remember vividly watching Jim just hitting balls, just going, wow, this this guy's got it cold. Yeah, it was a it was an impressive moment, and I know you and I have enjoyed lots and lots of um, great times, not only with Jim and uh, with 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 Chris O'Connell and uh, and Mike Crisanti and all the rest of the Plain Truth crew, but also we got to spend some time with Jim, Chris, and John uh, together, which was which were you know I mean they were great moments, you know that uh, that we got to listen to the stories of. How to how they improved golfers around the world um, before video cameras, before uh, any launch monitors, and pretty much they just they just, you know they taught off of impact and ball flight, weren't too worried about swing shape, and only interested in how they can get people hitting the golf ball better, uh, more repetitively, as quickly as possibly. Yeah, um, and I know that's you know I've seen you teach, and it's. I love watching you teach, and I know that's what uh, that that's what you're capable of doing at at, uh, at at your golf club. So tell me a bit about your golf club, how you got there, um, how how do people uh, can people come to your golf club and have a lesson, and what type of lessons do you give? Do you give just full swing lessons, short game, on course? What's the what's what happens at George Porter Golf? Well, I'm at North Hanson Fleet. Uh, very lucky to be here. It's a wonderful club. Um, it's it's constantly improving and driving itself forward. So um, we have a we have a great kind of committee running the club at the moment. Um, 
great general manager, great member. So good vibes around here. Um, in terms of having a lesson with me, I'm I'm really quite open. I mean, I I think with what do you do? Do you, do you do you steer the consumer where you want them to go, or do you let the consumer steer you where they want to go? And mm-hmm. effectively, there's lots of different menus that you can look at online as to pick out what's appropriate for you and what you want to do with your game. But yeah. um, one of the things that I kind of always try and get some handle on is how do people actually play the game? What or what do they do when they're on the golf course? Because we all know that we've heard that statement, you know, I can hit it great on the range, but I cross the road and go to the course and it all goes to pot. Um, yeah. That's been, been the case for so many golfers and will continue to be the case. But I think there's a big chance or opportunity to engage with what lessons are on the driving range around the pitching area or the putting green and how that can be carried over to better performance on the golf course immediately. Um mm-hmm. You know, we both know it's a very hard game, and you've got to work hard at it to get out of it. What what you what you want to achieve, but I think you know, I I predominantly give full swing lessons. I would say proportionately, that's the percentage, the high percentage of what I do. But mm. um, you know, golf is for everybody. I love teaching men, women, juniors. I like getting ladies started in groups, juniors started in groups. We do senior lessons. Um, yeah, we cover every 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 ground that we can um, and give everybody opportunities for a bit of diversity, really, because, you know, some people do like pitching up every week and having that weekly lesson with you on the range about yeah. their swing. Um, that's that's certain for, for a lot of people. But equally, you know, you want to be a bit of a chameleon with what you're doing in, in, in what you're presenting and the information and how you're delivering it and giving folks the opportunity to explore different kind of themes um different kind of flavors within what you're doing in your teaching lets them kind of buy into you more i think as well and and you don't become a one-trick pony and i think that's that's what a lot of really good busy golf coaches instructors teachers mentors whatever you want to call them are doing um and plus with the advent of of technology uh, there's a lot more of a, a clearer defined better understanding of how to use that um Mm -hmm. so there's so many options out there for golfers and you know here at north heads we're we're a private members club but you know we're accessible i can teach the members i can teach visitors i can teach people who want to get into the game we've got a great facility for doing that so um you know i just try and be as 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 open and diverse as i can and accommodate you know what 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 the the golfer wants yeah i mean speaking as an outsider i mean north Hans has been very very you know yourself and north Hans has always been very kind to me um i like to come up and chew the fat with you you know the two mad scientists in the lab as we occasionally <laughs> get called yeah um but you know you you do have a wonderful open very inclusive golf club up there um and it's great to hear that you know that they're open they're open and inclusive enough to allow people to come kind of off the street and and take instruction and uh and come to your shop and and get bits and pieces which is which is really really good to hear in the you know in in this day and age which is i know that's very much your ethos and pretty much the club's ethos and i think that's great which is you mentioned um technology george so yeah i know you you know i know you're an impact and uh ball flight guy but um talk to me about the tech that you've got that you use 
when you feel as though it's appropriate? And do you get the guys, um, you know, kind of contacting you because they know you've got the technology or do they, do, do the members go, oh, George, you've got that bit of technology. Can we use that in our next lesson? What kind of, you know, what tech have you got and how do you use it really? Yeah, so I have a launch monitor with um, Foresight Sports. I've got the GC2 with the HMT, which I predominantly use for fittings. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's great to give live data feedback to the golfer when they're hitting shots. Um, and then you can play around with, you know, the different types of specs, length, lie, loft, flex, weight, grip size, etc. you name it. Um, and you've got it there, you know, neatly wrapped up very quickly to provide the evidence. And I think, you know, I, I still love the challenge of having nothing around me and just dealing with impact and ball flight. And I'll probably never yeah. change because that's the way I love to do it. And yeah. I, I appreciate that whilst that's me, that's mm. not for everybody. And it's important that if, if, if a golfer wants to know what you're saying, um, can be validated maybe through some technical feedback in a number format or a visual format on a screen, you can kind of have synergy between what you're saying and, and then what, what technology can, can feed back. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think when, I think there's so many golf pros out there now who, who better understand what technology does, what the numbers mean, how the information is able to be relayed to the golfer. Um, I've just invested in a pressure map, which I'm kind of, playing around with at the moment before i'm yeah. really clear on using it with 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 students but you know i think seeing pressure traces uh from from the pressure mat and and how you can relate that to impact ball flight how you can then relate that to certain uh drills feels visuals for the golfer to improve um everything if you put everything in the pot the outcome the net result is that we want the golfer to be better and yeah. the better we understand technology as as the experts or, or the professionals delivering, conducting the lesson, the better the outcome and the simpler the game can become for the golfer. Um, yeah, I always say when I give a lesson, I say, look, you know, golf is much easier on the course if you have a fast food menu versus an a la carte menu. If you've, mm -hmm. got, if you've got eight things on the menu, you don't know what to choose and you'll end up, it'll be a neural blizzard and you just won't go and play. But if you've got a clear, clear focus of what you want to do and it's one thing, going out and playing the game uh, becomes sometimes a whole lot easier. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the crossover between, call it old school teaching, if you will, from impact and ball flight where nothing was around to having video cameras to now having launch monitors to having pressure mats, it all wraps up very nicely in being able to give the golfer something that is obviously very complicated, but explained simply so that they can get better. Fantastic. That's awesome, George. And I know you've got the, um, there's a certain uh, bag that you've got with your name on it and what's kind of hanging out of there. What's all the training aids that, are, that you tend to use? Cause you know, I've carried that bag across to the range. Um, <laughs> so just, just explain to the people who have not had a lesson from you kind of what's in there and how do you use them? Yeah. So, I, I mean, you, you, you always kind of flip flopping stuff around really when you, when you give a lesson, I mean, obviously I follow, follow you on Instagram and stuff and you use a brilliant array of, of, of apparatus and different things to help get a better result. So, you know, I always start with a trusty hula hoop. 
it's so yeah. good as a visual to explain what the golf swing uh, needs to be doing if it's not performing. Um, and it, it helps explain things very simply from uh, basically two, two views, one down the line, which is most important and obviously face on. Um, I use noodles. I use combs. I use range baskets. Um, I use tennis rackets. I use all sorts of different things to help explain what a fault in a golf swing might be and how that relates to a, a ball flight and then how to use, you know, those apparatus in a drill to affect the ball flight to be better through a different movement pattern or a different feeling or even a different visual. Um, yeah. So again, it kind of ha- helps wrap up everything into a, a very clear, quick, concise piece of information that if the diagnosis is correct, you can use an array of tools to help you deliver that diagnosis quicker to the golfer. And they, you know, they pick up hitting more solid shots and can take it to the course. So there's such a variety of things that one can use. And and it's great because it it lets you be creative. You know, you might have, you might, you'll have a moment, like it could be like when you wake up at night and you think at like 4am, that's a great idea. You've got to go and write it down. Well, in, in a lesson, you could be given, given any, any goal for a lesson and you get a light bulb moment. You think crumbs. Why didn't I think of that before? Why didn't I use that in that way before? Um, and then you can, again, you know, that, that stretches into using it for many golfers. So it's always, it's always changing and being creative with what you can do with, with different bits and pieces for drills and fields. Brilliant. And then you use those same ones in whether you're giving, um, uh, uh, controlled distance, uh, uh, lesson, bunker lesson, putting, all that sort of stuff. You, you pretty much, you, you, you go through that. You go through the entire game using using training aids for, like you said, for visual cues or for feels, or you know you might put something in the way as a constraint that they need to avoid, or they've got to swing into that type of thing. You do that for all aspects of the game, George. Yeah, I do. I I, I use it. I use it as much as I feel it's appropriate. I mean, I mm. you know I always say when you go and play, you're not going to have any of those things with you on the course. So if you no, can absolutely. kind of do what you need to do without it you might be better off i mean it'd be hard to quantify that but yeah. um you know from a measurability point of view when you use training aids on the range you see a definite change in what people do and mm. you know that definite change should always be for the better um you know there's there's lots of videos been posted we've seen them where a range basket might get in the way to stop a slice and the golfer just clatters into what's in the way and it it's very off-putting i find for the golfer um yeah it depends on their on the individual you know some will just laugh and crack up and right say didn't do it that time let's try it again whereas yeah the other end of the spectrum which is oh oh my goodness i'm never having a golf lesson again because i i broke the basket and it was so embarrassing so you have to be really careful with how you use things and when you use them and who you use them with i mean you know we're so lucky because golf is to use one of john jacobs phrases he's so lucky because golf gave him the business of people and you can find out so much about somebody in just a a half hour window with them and yeah you can learn you know you can you know we all learn by our mistakes and i've certainly made them and will continue to make them with golfers but 
you know, sometimes I've I've jumped in and thought, right, that'd be a great drill for that person. They they go in and they just make a complete horlicks of it, and you have to kind of reset the dial and go again. Um, yeah, so, we have to be honest enough to turn around and say, sorry, I've taken you down the wrong road here. Yeah, let's back it up and go another way. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I that I'd like to think that doesn't happen very often now, um, as as I feel I've improved over the years, but. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's human nature. You can't get it right every time. But as long as you're always going to, as you say, pull them back, set them down another road, you can quickly get them onto the onto the, the right theme of what they need to do. Yeah, perfect, George. Now, I think I've already got this answer from you because um, you've, you've already kind of alluded to what you use. But if you've only got £100, George, what are you going to spend it on to get golfers better? Um uh, yeah. I think you're going to spend about, you might actually do this in under a tenner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I'll give you two ideas. <laughs> hundred quid could be part of an airline ticket to go and see my mentor. <laughs> we'll spend yeah. some time with them, but that, that, that would introduce a bigger spend or, you know, you, you don't need to spend a whole lot of money to help people improve at this game. You can use the simplest things that are around you. And a lot of that doesn't cost money. Um, you know, some sometimes it could be spending ten pounds on your iPhone app because a lot of your people that you teach like to use video. So you might yeah. want to upgrade your app that gives you a bit more versatility with how you display and show things. Um, but for me, if I was gonna, if I had a hundred hundred pounds to go and spend on helping golfers get better, um, I I I would just always go with a few foam noodles, a hula hoop and some alignment sticks. And that would help me tremendously. Yeah, that's great. Um, now you can't answer this with North Hans as the answer. Okay. So your favorite golf course, George, my favorite golf course. Yeah. Anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world. Oh my goodness me. Um, how long have I got? <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I know there's a. I know there's. I think I've played a couple of them with you. Yeah. Well, I I've been very lucky to to play some some fantastic golf courses all around the world. Um, one, I I'll give I'll give you an answer that is is one A and one B. <laughs> okay. And my my two favourite courses for for many reasons um, are Sunningdale and Swinley, Sunningdale Old and Swinley Forest. Simply because growing up my grandfathers were artisans at both courses and for me getting up at six in the morning as a 12 13 year old kid with his clubs going going to the course with granddad and teeing off as one of the juice sweepers on two of the finest golf courses um holds great memories and i i love them to this day yeah i mean i've been very fortunate to actually play both of those courses with you i mean it, it was i mean i i can remember when we played swinley because you got us on and I just didn't shut up for the whole round about how much I loved it. And I still don't shut up about it now. It's it's awesome. I love Swinley. And yeah. Sunningdale, Sunningdale Old is Sunningdale Old. It is. <laughs> you stand on every tee and go, this is a great hole. And yeah. then you get to the next one, you go, this is a great hole. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm, with you on, I'm with you on those two. And I know you've played some some fabulous courses out in, uh, out in the US and... Um, and and other places as well with your with with your, with your friends and and bits and pieces. So I know you're very well travelled and you've played some super golf courses. So 
maybe I've been a bit harsh on you to uh, to just pick two. So Georgie's top ten is a is a pretty impressive top ten. So and it, it I know those I know the numbers one to ten can vary a little bit. So um, yeah, I might have been a bit harsh on you, George. Give us a prediction for the year, a golfing prediction for the year. Oh, uh, I'd like to see a career Grand Slam completed. And I'd like to see it okay. at Shinnecock. And I'd like to see Phil Mickelson win the US Open. I think that would just be capping a fantastic career. Uh, that will It will still be ongoing, but I'd love, I'd love to see him win the US Open and, and complete okay. the career Grand Slam. So if he's, he's, he's coming down the stretch against your man. <laughs> <laughs> Do I cash yeah. out? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're on 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 Father's Day, the evening of Father's Day. I'll I'll, I'll see if I can relive this yeah. this moment a bit. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, George, you get to ask question of the day. So uh, again, golf related. Um, you can ask whatever you want about people's golf, and pretty much just trying to get some some feedback and some interaction going. Okay. Um... What do you do to play better? Oh, okay. I like that. What do you do to play better? Great question. George, do you find there's any myths or misconceptions around golf instruction? Um, good question. Uh, there's probably, probably the myths and as has been covered so so many times. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a results-based industry, right? So if mm. someone's playing better, whoever it is, whether they're a you know, new golfer, 36 handicap, scratch golfer, tour pro, if they're playing better, they're, they're getting a result. And that's what it's about. So what goes behind that result, you'd like to think, as a fact, should be good information that they can digest and turn into making work for them. Um, mm-hmm. I think over the years, there's there's too there's too many phrases in golf that still kind of hold too much importance within the golfing industry as as golfers go. Um, yeah, and I think as time goes by, they will still be around, but they will kind of lose their level of importance um, because the explanations and what we use to ex- explain and demonstrate and apply becomes a whole lot clearer and delivers more clarity so um it is it's a great question it's 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 kind of a roundabout way of asking it but myths and misconceptions um the the one that that holds up most for me is is golf is a side-on game and you swing the club in a circle and that Mm. circle has many guises it can have a direction it can have a plane it can have uh, width it can have many things and that's why the subject of the golf swing has spawned so many different ideas and books and research and will continue to do so um, but whatever that that golf swing appears to do it has to affect the ball positively and allow the golfer to perform on the course so yeah, um, yeah. myths and misconceptions they'll always be around um, but as as we all get better as an industry and as we all get better as, as individuals and help those that stand in front of us, it's only good for the game, really. Brilliant. George, how can, how can people find you? Uh, North Hans Golf Club is, is, is fleet in Hampshire. That's right. 
Um, and are you on social media? Yeah, I know I'm, you're on social media. I'm on many. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Um, I just I'm on those social media platforms as myself. I don't I don't put myself on there as as anything else other than myself. Um, so yeah, uh, Twitter is at George Porter four. So is Instagram and Facebook. I'm just on there as George Porter. So you can find me there. And people can come to Northants Golf Club, take lessons, um, get fit for golf clubs. Yeah. Um, is that putters, yep. wedges, irons, woods, the the whole bag, or is it just irons or woods or what's the? Yeah, we uh, we we do we do everything. We cover everything here. Um, you know, it, you you could from a fitting point of view, you can be as in depth as you like or as simple as you like. So, the investment in the in the launch monitor was to really help promote and deliver better club fittings across mm-hmm. the board uh which is predominantly what i use it for but um yeah we we can we can help fit any any club in your bag brilliant so george thanks ever so much for coming on the on the podcast and i'm going to catch up with you relatively soon um probably this evening because we talk pretty much not every day but every other day at least um have a great summer, mate. Um, I look forward to catching up with you in person. We're going to uh, get back in, get back on the lesson tee and uh, the two scientists can go mad in the lab again. <laughs> uh, any questions, hopefully they come through to, to you and I. And uh, I, I sincerely hope people have enjoyed uh, listening to How I Teach Golf by George Porter, hosted by myself, Duncan Walker, as much as I've enjoyed listening to you george this morning and uh we'll catch up soon mate thanks for ever so much pleasure thanks for having me mate all right george take care mate bye bye bye